Translating knowledge from bedside to bench and back is the holy grail of all medical professionals. Physician scientists are the transport vehicle. You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing current therapies for new uses. And our guest is Dr. Sharon Maynard, Assistant Professor, Division of Renal Disease and Hypertension at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Dr. Maynard is one of the world's leaders in preeclampsia research and clinical care, and she joins us today to talk about what life is like for a physician researcher. Dr. Maynard, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate being here. So what is life like for a physician researcher? How do you split up your week? What are your clinical and non-clinical responsibilities, and how's your life organized? Well, at the moment, I'm actually in a very fortunate position of having a career development grant. This is a Culpeper scholarship, which is actually sponsored by Partnership for Cures. And this actually protects 75% of my time for research, which not every researcher out there has that luxury. So for me right now, I do have clinical duties, which I actually enjoy a lot, and that consists of one half day of clinic per week. I'm a nephrologist, actually, so I have a dialysis shift of about 20 dialysis patients who I need to see about once a month. And I spend about four to six weeks a year on the consultation service, the renal consultation service at George Washington University Hospital. You know, I do have some administrative duties, which I also find pretty rewarding, like being on the hospital ethics committee and being on the committee for research, which kind of talks about the overall research agenda and direction for uh, George Washington University. But the remainder is really spent on research. So where did you earn your MD? Where did you do your internship and residency? And when did you know you were going to do both research and clinical care? I got my MD and also did internal medicine residency both at the University of Pittsburgh, which was a great experience. But it's interesting, the seeds for my interest in research were planted before medical school, I would say. I did undergraduate at Princeton University where they require everyone to do a pretty substantial senior thesis. And at that point, I was a chemical engineering major, but knew I was interested in going into medicine and found someone in mechanical engineering who was working on mathematical models of the countercurrent exchange mechanism of the nephron. So in my senior thesis, it was actually mostly computer work, but really worked on theoretical models for how the kidney concentrates urine. And that was kind of what got me hooked on the idea of research. And since then, I've always been interested in it and have worked on, you know, fields that very different from that, obviously, including preeclampsia. But, you know, I think it's always been fun for me to try to be part of discovering something new, solving puzzles. The problem solving and puzzle solving that's involved in clinical medicine and patient care is is interesting too, but it's a very different type of thinking than the type of thinking that, that you do when you're doing research. And it's something that I've always loved. What kind of research have you done? Have you done lab research, animal research, human clinical research? Tell us a little bit about the background. Yeah, a little bit of everything, actually. <laughs> so when I was an undergrad, I did you know basically mathematical modeling and computer programming type stuff. In medical school, I you know I spent a little bit of time in a neuropathology lab, but that was only one summer. And my really most substantial research project in internal medicine residency was actually interested in end of life issues 
believe it or not, the types of decisions that face both patients and clinicians when you're trying to make a decision about, for example, in this case, you know, a decision about whether to start dialysis on a patient who's in the intensive care unit and who's doing extremely poorly and looks like they probably won't survive. So I did a, a research project, a clinical research project, looking at quality of life in folks who survived dialysis in the intensive care unit. And then when I got to fellowship Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, that's when I joined the lab of Anant Karamanchi and, and started the preeclampsia work, which which was really, you know, very lab-based, working with um, molecular techniques, working with RNA, and then moving to the animal models. And then really that moved very quickly, again, back into clinical research for me in particular. Currently, I still am active doing some work in the laboratory, but I feel that my vision for the future is to move more towards clinical research or translational research, the type of research that kind of bridges that gap between the lab and the patient. So how many hours a week would you say you're involved in this life of a physician scientist? How many hours a week? You mean the Everything. research? Your, yeah, your clinical care, your research, your administrative stuff. You know, most of us work outside work a 40-hour, 50-hour week. How many hours does a research scientist work? I would say probably 50 or 60 hours a week, to be honest. You know, it's always been very important to me to have elements of my life outside of my job and my career. I think that type of balance is important for me as a person and as a human being. So I'm not sure if that's typical of a physician scientist. There certainly are many out there. I'm sure when you get answers to these questions, there are many that are as much as double that number. But for me... You know, it has to work at that level or it won't work for me as a human being. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with Dr. Sharon E. Maynard, Assistant Professor, Division of Renal Disease and Hypertension at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., about what life is like for her as a physician researcher. So how do you maintain the balance between being a doctor, being a research scientist, and being something other than those two? Well, it's a matter of, you know, making choices about how you're going to spend your time. And, you know, there are certain periods of time, for example, when you're coming up on a grant deadline where, you know, you need to spend, you know, many, many more hours than that working on the physician-scientist aspects of things. And there are many times when I do that. But when you're in your normal course of your day-to-day activities, when there are no looming deadlines, you know, to make the decision to go home at 7 p.m. <laughs> and to do that. And for me, that's never been a real challenge, you know, to make those choices. You know, I, I have I have a husband who I enjoy spending time with. I love to spend time hiking and spending time with my family. And I feel like I wouldn't be happy if I decided to spend all of my time at work. How many of those large grants would you or your lab be writing every year? At this point, I write maybe three or four grants a year. The current funding environment is, as I'm sure your listeners know, very challenging and very difficult. And you need to write probably five or six grants to get one that's funded. So it's really necessary, I think, given the current funding environment, to be writing grants almost constantly in order to keep yourself afloat and to be able to continue to do the research that you want to do. So what would you say is the most fulfilling part of this dual work life as a 
physician and as a scientist? To me, it's the greatest job in the world. I really love the fact that I can stay connected with the patient while at the same time really pursuing new research questions in a creative way. And I feel very lucky to be in that position where I can do that. Much of the clinical work I do, I actually treat women with who are pregnant with hypertension in pregnancy, who've had preeclampsia or have kidney disease in pregnancy. And that really, it keeps the research very real for me. I had a patient I saw just about two weeks ago who was referred to me for just a consultation. And she was about 40 years old, and she had had nine pregnancies, all of which she had lost due to severe early-onset preeclampsia. She didn't have a single surviving baby. And her question for me was, Doc, I'm 40 years old. Is it worth it for me to try to get pregnant again? Is there anything that we can do to stop this from happening again? I really want to have a baby. And, you know, right now, you know, all I could do was feel bad for her and say, well, you know, there's not much we can offer you at this point. And it drives me to want to be part of changing that for her. Besides those kinds of situations, what are the other big challenges that you face every day when you're being a physician scientist? Well, there are always challenges of demands on your time. You know, I mentioned I don't like to spend every waking hour at work, and, and given that, the demands on my time are sometimes you know, challenging to rectify. There are always clinical demands when you're seeing patients at all. It can sometimes have the tendency to expand, to fill up more of your time than technically it should, and that's always a bit of a struggle. There are a lot of inherent challenges just in doing research itself, you know, aside from the balance between doing clinical work and being a researcher. The challenges of being a researcher are probably the most dominant ones for me, and and those hold true no matter what type of researcher you are. Those that are inherent just in the nature of research, you know, you often have to go down several blind alleys before you find a path that leads you to something real. And the challenge of of getting funded and getting the support you need to continue the work that you want to do that you know is important. The number of physician scientists seems to be decreasing. What do you think the impact's going to be long-term on translational medicine from that? It's very true, and, and I think it is tragic in some sense. You know, to be able to be a successful researcher and to be a practicing physician at the same time is incredibly challenging. And honestly, for me personally, I think the jury's still out, you know, whether I'm going to, in the end, make it work. I think that it's very difficult to make it work, and and for that reason, fewer people are doing it. My impression is that the trend is going to be for increased collaboration. So rather than having an MD researcher who's in the lab and who's running his own lab, what you might see more of is MDs who've had some lab background, maybe like the type of background that I've had, collaborating with PhDs who are in the lab so that hopefully... MD researchers won't lose their connection to the basic science work. It's just that their connection will change. They won't be the ones doing the work, but they'll be actively collaborating and giving input and and lending that patient and clinical perspective to the work that's being done. So I like to see the bright side, but um, you know, there are obviously those that worry that the direction that research will go will definitely lose something when MDs are no longer in the lab doing that work. 
We're fighting disease in the clinic and in the research lab, and physician scientists have a foot in each. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Sharon E. Maynard, Assistant Professor, Division of Renal Disease and Hypertension at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., for joining us to talk about what life is like for a physician researcher. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that repurposes existing treatments for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com where you can find our new on-demand and podcast features that will allow you access to our entire program library. And thank you for listening.